The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times bestselling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. Hey, Dr. Bill here. I am super excited to introduce you to our next mentor. This is a man I literally met 30 years ago through a mutual friend, and then we reconnected probably about seven, eight years ago through that tremendous uh, group that I belong to called Metal, which is a men's networking um, brotherhood of, of really amazing uh, businessmen who really are committed to helping each other. And a lot of these men come as mentors to leap and have done Meet the Mentor. What is Meet the Mentor and why are we doing this? Well, every year for the last 13 years, we've run a program called Leap. Now for 2021, Leap will be July 18th to the 24th at UCLA and hopefully it will be live. It has been live all these years. You know, obviously this year we had to do it virtually because of the pandemic, but I got vaccinated and hopefully all of you will too. So we can do it live at UCLA this summer. Now, whether we do it live or not, we will also have a virtual component. We had over a thousand students participate this year virtually, which was pretty amazing. So we will do it live and we will do it virtual. So we get an opportunity to really kind of help students come from wherever they are. And what is LEAP? LEAP is a motivational leadership program for high school and college students aged 15 to 25 that teaches them the skills that they need to be successful in life. And the thing that really warms my heart is that it's not just me putting LEAP on. We have had such great participation and support from our community. I mean, look at past speakers, Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Paula Abdul, Michael Strahan, Jason Alexander, um, uh, Kathy Bates, uh, Apollo Ono. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. Usher, you know, we could never afford to pay these amazing people to come, but they, like me, all believe that our future lies in you guys and they're willing to give their time and their support to help make this a success. And it has been every year, it gets better and better and better. And one of the most common things that we hear from students who attend LEAP is the fact that LEAP changed their life. It really did. It gave them a whole new outlook on life. It gave them great friends. I mean, most of the students that go to LEAP say that they meet lifetime friends, friends that they keep for their whole life. And, and that's a really, really important thing. So please, please, please check out LEAP. Go to www.leapfoundation.com for more information and sign up now. Sign up. You can sign up and, and hold your spot. And uh, if you sign up to come to the in-person program and you have to pivot and come virtually, we will work with you and uh, make accommodations. So Without further ado, let me tell you about Meet the Mentor. These mentors who come and participate are amazing. And so we give you content all year long. We've been doing this series for about 
a year and a half now, and it's crazy. <laughs> My podcast, Meet the Mentor, has taken off. We're number one in Yemen, number two in Iceland, number three in Finland. I mean, and we are in the top 150 countries worldwide. In our country, we're in a category with 47,000 podcasts. We rank like 92 or 93. It's pretty phenomenal. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our guest today. This is Jeffrey Glover. He is an accomplished entertainment and tech attorney, strategic consultant, and author and corporate executive. Jeffrey's legal and business articles have been published in many influential publications. He's the founder of Wavecrest Law and Consultancy. That's his firm that he's working at right now, which typically serves as a strategic consultant and or general counsel to its clients from well-known Fortune 50 companies to innovative startups. Jeffrey has a rich history of innovation in developing cutting-edge projects at the crossroads of media and new communication technologies on a global basis. He will explain what that means in case you don't know. And he's a, he deeply motivated by a passion for uplifting the human condition. It's Jeffrey's continuing belief that the development of free expression and communication between people is essential for the growth of human potential and everyone rich and poor alike. If you'd like to find him, you can go on LinkedIn at Jeffrey Glover, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-G-L-O-V-E-R. -E -E and without further ado, my friend Jeffrey. How are you, Jeffrey? <laughs> great, uh, great, great. Thank you for that introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. So you started off your career in law, right? That's right. That's right. First, first step was a, a BA in psychology, which is a nice foundation for going into law. And then uh, going into uh, uh, the legal practice was a step further in an educational pursuit of the intellect and understanding the key components of communication through the structure of the legal systems that run the world. Let's take a step back. So you started off actually in psychology, but right. left it, why? Well, it was interesting. Um, I did sort of a liberal arts psychology twin major, right? And um, I was deep into it, but I had some ethical issues at that time, not believing I could tell people what to do with their lives from a psychological point of view. It was a moral dilemma I got when I was hitchhiking across Europe and, and working on a kibbutz in the Middle East in, in, in Israel. Uh, I thought, gee, who, who am I to tell people what to do mentally? And then I had taken a constitutional law class in college before I got my BA and uh, surprisingly found the philosophical underpinnings of our founders in creating the incredible constitution that sets the framework for the United States and its democracy to be thoroughly fascinating and to, and to twine or correlate very well to the philosophical studies I was doing. So I thought this was great. And uh, after, like I said, hitchhiking around uh, Europe and the Middle East, I discovered that things like refrigerators and a, and a house or an apartment might be nice to have at some point. And how was I going to earn that? And I was lucky to have a, a dear uncle, an aunt, who said, well, why don't you go to law school? So I said, okay, 
which made my father, who was a political sci uh, professor, very happy. And voila. Oh, I'm sure. And you went to law school, but uh, you had the great fortune of going straight from law school to Columbia Pictures. How did that happen? Well, yeah, now that's because education is so important. And certainly for, for all the students who come to LEAP, this is what's so critical is in order to make that jump, I had to do a couple of things. When you start something like a law school, oftentimes you don't understand the business of law. You're interested in the concepts behind the law, perhaps. Business law being very different. So I went to a small liberal arts college for my uh, Juris Doctor in law. And when I was in, in the college, I realized the business of law was quite different and that I wouldn't be able to play on the world level easily coming out of a small law school. So I say this to all the students too. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you take that next step? So for me, it was something I would say to everybody, look at how you can put yourself out there by challenge yourself to take an, a, a leap at an award, no pun intended, uh, and um, uh, that's on the national level. So I did, I competed uh, nationally for a very prestigious prize in copyright law. And I took first place in my college and one of the national prizes uh, in the US, the only one west of the Mississippi to take one. Most people out of Harvard and Yale and stuff would win. Because of that, like a long story short, I got letters from congressmen and senators and the governor of California, that sort of thing, telling the world how great I was. So that was nice. And so I thought, okay, this is great. And I also published in my law review uh, uh, an article. And then I said, well, how can I, this is still not enough. What can I do? So I said, well, I should get another, like a master's, a postdoc master's in something, international law, international relations, from a more prestigious school in order to raise my profile. Okay, where? Well, I was sick of going to school in the US. <laughs> it was a lot of years, right? And uh, so after two degrees, I said, well, let me apply at Cambridge. Somebody had told me Cambridge University in England was so incredible and did such great, great work for the last seven, 800 years. So I said, okay. So I applied and all of my friends and family sort of like for the, for the national competition was like, oh, isn't that great? He's applied, good luck, right? But when I won, they were like, wow, that's great. And then I got accepted at Cambridge. Well, the only reason I think I got accepted at Cambridge is because in my applications, I put all those letters from all these congressmen and senators and governors into the application, right? No, Jeffrey, I think that's genius. I, you know, I always tell students when I graduated dental school, I, I, you know, I was 24 years old. I had never seen the world. I had never, I had never done anything. And to be tethered to a dental practice for the rest of my life didn't sound that appealing. Like I wanted to see the world. And I heard that there was a clinic in Switzerland that took one person a year. Well, they had 400 applicants. So I did the same thing you did. I had 10 of my favorite instructors write me amazing letters of recommendation. You know how I knew they were amazing? <laughs> I wrote them. <laughs> and I always tell students this, listen, if you want a great letter, 
ask a professor when they look at you say look i'll write the letter if you'll personalize it so they were stellar letters right then i started calling the director every week and nobody else did that and then i had something i call a life defining moment and the life defining moment was i was on the phone with him realizing i was getting nowhere that he right. was not interested at all and that there were 400 people that he was considering. And I said to him, hey, can I take you to lunch? And he's like, y y you're in San Francisco. I'm like, I know, but I'll fly there, which was even funnier because I was broke. So he <laughs> said, yes, I took out a loan. I borrowed money. I flew to Switzerland. And guess what? Out of 400 applicants, guess how many went and took him to lunch? Nobody, just you. <laughs> and guess who got the job? That's incredible. So doing what you did, and you know, one of the things that Leap that we always say is copy genius. So listen to what Jeffrey is telling you. When you apply for something, I say go in there with both barrels loaded, right? And give as much ancillary support as you can because you need to stand out. Yeah, well, that you know, absolutely correct. Great advice, Bill. That's a wonderful story. That's amazing. Uh, so but, you get the position in England, right? Right, right. And so and when from I was there, do you go to Columbia Pictures? But before that, once again, it's like even there, how do you up your game there? You're just one of thousands of international students, right, spreading out around the world. So I knew I needed to find a mentor, and direct me to a place where I could do some independent studies so I can do some independent uh, papers and publish while I was there and perhaps publish when I got back. Uh, so I did that. And uh, uh, it would be too long to go into that story, but it, it's quite an amazing story. Well, uh, I think the, the, the bottom line is do what you got to do. You know, exactly. if you had your sight set on going to Columbia Pictures, what did you have to do to stand out, to be different, to, you know, to really get your foot in the door? And then the cool thing is, is once you got to Columbia, now you're in kind of a, a different niche. I mean, you know, as a lawyer, you can go into business law, you can go into, you know, personal injury and all these things. So you took that and something very special happened at the inception of your career at Columbia with technology. And I'd love for you to explain that and kind of tell the students how you segued into a very, very specific niche in law. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, one thing is always keep your horizons broad and not get too, too narrow because adaptation in the world is, is, is critical. And I was always interested in new technologies and always interested in new communication technologies, a way to bring people of the world together through discourse, right? Well, at that time, uh, you know, uh, the Betamax issue had come up, make it brief. It was that at one time it was illegal to take um, a film. If, it, if they broadcast a film into your house, if you taped it and held it, it was deemed illegal, right? So that was really stopping a lot of creativity and cross-fertilization. So two, two twins were happening, that and the advent of special effects, right? And how did that work? It was all technology. And so I became uh, an expert in these areas. Uh, and that was the, the, the main reason why Columbia Pictures picked me up because I was the only student out of law school 
that they would pick up. Usually you had to be four or five years in an entertainment law firm uh, or another corporate law firm for them to bring you in to Columbia Pictures. But for me, because of my knowledge of cutting edge copyright law, uh, the head of the department uh, who had gone to Harvard, but he started with a smaller school. So it was kind of interesting, was so excited. He brought me in because he said, nobody here really understands this, right? So you come in with yeah. that knowledge and you grow that. So over the course of my career, as we went into the internet age, for instance, I was some of the earliest players in legally, how do you structure deals around this? How do you allow webinars like this to happen? How do you legally make the deals for, for new technologies to, to grow? Yeah, and you know what I love about this is, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in law or dentistry or anything else, you need to find a niche that you can explode in. You know, I mean, there are over 150,000 dentists in the United States. You know, what was I going to do? Bill Dorfman to be different. And what I did was I set my sights on becoming the best cosmetic dentist I was capable uh, of becoming, you know, by taking continuing education, by writing papers and publishing in journals and, and hiring a publicist so I could get information out to the public and be known as, as a thought leader. And I love that you did that because like I said, it doesn't matter what profession a student is in, you need to be that much better. You need to differentiate yourself from other people in that field if you want to be, you know, ultimately very successful. And in your core, I quite agree, it's absolutely right. And in the core though, you have to be personally invested in this, namely really interested. It drives you, there's something behind it that makes you excited to explore it. I mean, I went from doing, you know, platform deals with, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, film deals for Tom Cruise and in the old days, even, uh, you know, Marlon Brando, people on this level to working with Intel and Dell Technologies on cloud computing platforms. Why? Because it excited me. If it didn't That's excite awesome. me, what? So if you were a young student, you know, in high school or college right now, and you were interested in a career in law, what are some, you know, words to the wise that you would share with these students to help them prepare for, you know, an illustrious career? The first thing is to, to really look inside themselves and say, gee, why do I want to do this? Is, do I have a passion in one of these areas that being a lawyer is going to help me fulfill? And once you've felt that, what that is, if you can, try to meet some lawyers, try to see if you can go into a law firm and see what's going on and learn what it, not academically, unless you want to be a legal professor, in which case, great, just stay with the concepts and work academically. But if you want to go into the business, find out what that, I mean, when I went into law school, I had no idea what the actual day-to-day -day life of being an attorney or being an entertainment attorney or a tech attorney was like. I, I love that. And that's the main reason why we do 
our mentor workshop, which you have participated in at LEAP, right. where students get an opportunity to really sit with these professionals and talk to them. And hopefully, you know, I have, well, before the pandemic, I had over 200 students a year come and shadow me that were either in dental school or thinking about going to dental school. So they had an opportunity to really see what the life of a dentist was like. It will critical because at least in law school, I know many people go through the really the pain and and suffering that you go through for that intense study for those three years and all the money only to find out a year into the business. They hate it or they get put into a litigation mode. And if you're not a warrior, don't go there because it will yeah. beat you down. Right. It's intense. So you have to find those areas that, gee, what, what, what's attracting me? Because you're going to have to, there was an old quote that I think really applies. It goes, what is the price of experience? It's bought with all that a man has or a woman. True, true. All right. So, Jeffrey, you've been practicing law for almost 40 years, right? That's correct. What would you say was one of your most I would say uh, amazing results that you got, like something that you really, really worked your buns off for and was a huge challenge. And at the end of the day, you, you kind of sat back and said, you know what, pat myself on the back. I did a great job on this. What would you say would, if you had to say this was one thing you did in law that was kind of your crowning moment, what would that have been? Oh, that's a big question, Bill, because I've had a long history. I've had some really amazing. amazing I know. Uh, What's the one thing that stands out that you would say, if I want to pass this on to my kids and say, you know what? Your dad did this. What's the this? <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's, that's incredible. And um, the thing that leaps, I always go for what, pops first in one's mind. It, and this is a little complex, so forgive me on this. Uh, I had joined a media and entertainment uh, a company and we were doing avant-garde internet work. And um, they had set up before I arrived, I was their first general counsel and they had set up a, uh, uh, a merger, if you will, with a UK company that did the same sort of thing. And, uh, and also with the German company that when I looked at it, I said, gee, this isn't going to work. I mean, culturally, not only are we a lot different, but the, but the terms are completely off. But we really like these people. We want to work with these people. How can we, how can I get us out of this and yet still keep a relationship going where business can flow and good things can happen? Um, so I flew over to, uh, with, the, with, with the blessings of my partners, I flew over to, to London, met with the London uh, people. And by, be, by just being open to their needs and expressing clearly where I was coming from, we're able to get them to pivot to become a strategic partner and not set up a merger so we can still penetrate deeper into the, into the uh, UK. And then I use my contacts through Cambridge uh, for B-Sky B, which is the largest news platform and entertainment platform in the UK, to bring them into the fold as a client and then flew to Germany and did the same thing and the, the company that I was working with, we went from one office in, um, in Hollywood 
to opening up on Fifth Avenue, London, Paris, Munich, and Hong Kong. And I put all of that together that flowed out of that. We earned five Emmys, 800 International Design Awards. And so probably the one thing that kind of pops into my mind, it was really tricky, but got done well. That's amazing. You know, it's funny, as as I asked you that question, I was thinking to myself, what would I say if somebody asked me that question? And, and I have to tell you, there have been a lot of crazy things in my career. And a lot of times when I, I, I really didn't believe it was happening, but I would say the one thing that would stand out for me was the time I was able to fly into the Middle East, treat a king in one of the countries there, and in lieu of him paying me, he gave a million dollar donation to Leap. Wow, that's an incredible that, story. That, and that was incredible. All right, uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but I would like to know on a personal level, Jeffrey, if, if you are a student watching this and you are really interested in becoming a lawyer, in addition to finding a great mentor, in addition to really doing your research and making sure that law is the right field for you, what do you think are some of the critical ingredients to be successful in your field as a lawyer? Once again, coming down to self-awareness, self-knowledge, and communication skills. So if you're in high school, Find out courses that make you write, write essays, go into a debate class, if you will, Um, do things, learn history, learn psychology, learn about people and learn about yourself. And the more you do that, you'll be able to present yourself in a way that gets the results that you're going to need later in your legal career. Because if you can't write and you can't speak well, it's not going to (laughs) work. You're right. You're right. And before we go, one last thing. I mean, what's next for Jeffrey? Like, what's your next big goal? Well, that's really a great, another great question. And uh, what's my great goal is, and I'm working on this now, is I work also in the cloud computing and digital privacy and data protection area that can't float out of my time with Intel. And I'm trying to find the one edge that needs work and needs some thought leadership that I can then come out with a new paper and present it in a way where I can, I usually spend two or three months in the summer uh, in the south of France, uh, where I also keep up a small office, and uh, to be able to work more on the continent and to be able to raise up the conversation on data privacy issues because they're really big and coming to the fore. And I think it's a really important for us as, um, as a, a civilization, a country and the rest of the world to grapple with the fact that Bill Dorfman's uh, uh, personally identifiable information is Bill Dorfman's property. And he should be able to choose who uses it or not. And right now it's not the case. So we're moving towards that but I'd like to help us get there where every person has a sort of a sovereign sense of his own worth and his own digital uh, life that he can protect or license or give away as he chooses consciously rather awesome. than being by the media. 
Awesome, awesome. Jeffrey, thank you so much. That was really, really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of students are gonna garner a lot from that. And I appreciate all your support. I appreciate your support with LEAP. And um, I, you know, I wish you the best and I hope 2021 is a great year for all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Dr. Bill, over and out. To learn more about the LEAP Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leapfoundation or on Instagram at leapfoundation. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.